we dedicate tonight's episode to the loving memory of Terry Schrader. Seven years in heaven, but always in our hearts. Well, good evening, my darklings, and thank you so much for joining us here. It is time for another Paranormal 60 News program. I am your anchor, Dave Schrader, and uh, tonight we will not be joined by the colonel. He is still on location, but I have it on good authority that he will be here for the 200th episode. That's right. So in just a few weeks, the colonel will be returning at least for one or two episodes Meanwhile, Chachi will be gone at that time because Chachi, Chachi, Chachi. That's the kind of guy he is. But you know who is here? Through thick and thin, the one person you can always count on. Tressa. Oh, me. That's right. Yeah. Tressa, uh, welcome. Good to have you back. Thanks for being thank here tonight. Thank you for having me. And ladies and gentlemen, this guy, Greg. Hey, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> the connection in space a little off. We Are can't you? Hear you? Oh, his the bad connection. <laughs> Very good. Oh, that's we paid a lot of money for that feed, and I can see it's going really Great. well. Oh, it's so, cold up here. That's all I can say. It's apparently, we are both men of flight tonight, as mm. you and your part-time gig with NASA and me as the salad bar ramp <laughs> supervisor from Southwest oh, yeah. Airlines. That's wow. what I'm talking about. Life's yeah. tough out there in the paranormal world, kids, but uh, if you want those cherry tomatoes with your salad, now you know who the guy is to hook you up. Yeah. We've got yeah. uh, stories from around the world. We've got a new buy the book segment coming up in just a little bit with a perfect, perfect Christmas stocking stuffer book for those youngsters in your life that have shown that maybe they've got the twinkling of abilities, or maybe they've watched the shows with you and wish they could learn about intuition and find a way to tap in. If only there was a book that would be directed to children. Well, there is. Huh. Huh. We'll be covering that in a little bit. I know. It's exciting news. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you think I'm going to throw you a left curveball, and instead I just bowl the ball right up the middle of the lane. Two different sports yeah, altogether. I'm not good with sports. So, Gregory. Hey, buddy. If I can call you that, Gregory. Uh, oh, yeah. Because I feel better when we're all side by side. Ooh, what's yeah. uh, that face did not go well. Tressa, what big. was that? Oh, I'm it's sorry, sweet face. tea. Sweet tea. Uh, welcome. Yeah, tonight, uh, let's let's have some fun. Let's do this in a raucous manner because it is uh, the seventh anniversary of the passing of my mom, who never missed a show, always listened. So I know somewhere, hopefully somewhere, she's still listening. So we've got a lot of news to get to. And uh the first one, we're coming out right swinging with some near-death experiences. If you're ready wow. for this, Michael Sabam is a cardiologist who retired last year. In a recent interview, Dr. Sabam stated, I was doing my medical residency during the 1970s when a social worker introduced me to one of the first books written about near-death experiences, or 
NDEs. I thought the whole idea was absolute hogwash. He looks a little uh, Roger Ebert, he doesn't? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, he's giving this uh, NDE thing two thumbs down. Oh. But the social worker challenged me to investigate rather than just brush it off. And I asked older doctors whether they'd heard of NDEs, but they hadn't. Then I started asking patients. The third one I spoke to had had one of these experiences, and these were the things that I was convinced were fake. So that was enough for me to really become interested in NDEs. I I focused on the out-of-body experience where people report floating above or near their bodies while still being able to see and hear what's happening around them. That seemed so far-fetched that I could poke a hole in it easily. As a scientist, I'm interested in documentation. I spent the next five years collecting accounts of -of out-of-body experiences and comparing them to the medical notes. A patient named Pam Reynolds changed everything. Pam had a very complex, dangerous aneurysm that was about to burst. Because of the position, most doctors wouldn't even operate, but we found one doctor in Arizona who would try to save her. Before the operation, Pam was put in a medically induced near-death state. Her heart and brain weren't functioning. Her temperature reduced to just 65 degrees. All the blood had been drained from her head, and her ears and eyes were blocked. Despite that, Pam heard and saw everything during the operation. She later said, I popped up out of the top of my head. When I interviewed Pam about her experience afterward, she described the bone saw the doctor used as looking like an electric toothbrush. Now that seemed absurd, but when I requested a picture of the tool doctors had used, she was exactly right. Pam's experience was anchored within a well-documented surgery. There was no logical explanation for how she could know what happened. Speaking with her convinced me that out-of-body experiences might be a real phenomenon. Pam's case shows that we can prove that out-of-body experiences can occur. It was a gift to have this happen in such a controlled environment since the vast majority of -of out-of-body experiences just can't be corroborated. Now, the one out-of-body experience is just one part of a typical NDE. People who report moving through a tunnel, feeling immense pleasure and being greeted by their deceased loved ones. I think of these as transcendental aspects of an NDE. These aspects are self-reported and private. We'll never be able to prove them. We just have to take people at their word. Hearing stories like Pam's convinced me that I could never be entirely sure that a patient couldn't hear me. I was conscious of that fact, that an offhanded comment during surgery or resuscitation could potentially be harmful. When I'm trying to restart someone's heart, I'm not thinking of NDEs or whether the patient's soul is hovering somewhere above me, but afterward, I am left wondering. I've also seen how NDEs stay with patients as they recover. The patients who report NDEs have more will to live and also a sense of peace. They often have a new interest in spirituality. Sometimes people point to NDEs as proof of the afterlife, and I believe there's a heaven, but it has nothing to do with this research. There is a difference between the true afterlife 
and these experiences of being nearly dead. NDEs still happen in the life that we live day to day, but they connect us to a spiritual realm that we're not normally in touch with. There's a growing acceptance of NDEs, but they're still hard for many people to acknowledge. Our scientific and medical training is based on material proof. We want to be able to measure something, hold it in our hands, and you can't do that with NDEs or the idea that there's consciousness outside the brain. But I've become convinced that doesn't make these phenomena any less real. I think this is a really cool and interesting story, especially having a cardiologist who had absolutely no bearings in the belief, nothing that could make him believe that that there's anything that exists after that state is totally flipped on his ear, right? And and suddenly has this different concept. And then the fact that he is now more aware of the things he says during surgeries. And I don't know if you guys have heard these really interesting stories where there are um, some of the uh, anesthesiologists who will actually pray because they're right up by the head. They'll pray or they'll talk to the patient in loving terms, sometimes explaining this is what they're doing right now. And they're going to do as if they're just trying to walk you through it cautiously, carefully, and giving that person the comfort of knowing what's happening instead of being left out. And I think that's really kind of a beautiful element to that. Although I was surprised, and I'd like to hear your guys' take on it, that people that come back from NDEs, he feel, has a stronger will to live, which seems to fly in the face to me because so many yeah. people I've heard said, I didn't want to come back. Yeah, I feel like everyone says, I don't want to come back. That was the best thing I've ever experienced. I don't, why am I here? I don't want to be here. This is not great. I don't what know. do you make of that, Greg? I mean, that's a pretty interesting twist. Are you surprised by the fact that people that do come back are reported to actually have a bigger will to live? No. Um, and the only reason I say that is because I did the, all that research for messages from Mothman. And I, I did, there's a whole section of I'm sorry, for, the, for what? Yeah, there, there's this, there's this book uh, called messages from Mothman. Yeah. Oh, by Greg Lawson, M E D. Oh. Yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, it's uh forward by chip coffee. Not familiar. Not familiar. Yeah. yeah he's so, this guy. So he's you did a lot of research of into NDE for the book messages from Mothman. Yeah, and I, I hadn't intended to do that. The the book, when I was writing the book, took me in all kinds of different directions. The book ended up being something completely different than I, I expected it to be. Uh, but that was one of the things. And it's really interesting when you see a guy like that, you see very pragmatic people, psychologists, psychiatrists that will then step in and study this stuff and go, ah, yeah, there's, there's some stuff going on here we can't explain. Hmm. Yeah. I You know, one of the things that I, I've... This is really weird. I've recorded this opening for a number of the TV shows that I've appeared on. When they want me to do the sit down with the evergreen like this, with the backdrop and explain who I am and why I'm there, why the paranormal is so important to me. I died twice. And in both instances, I didn't see light. I didn't sense my, my form out of my body. I didn't remember having any kind of connection with the deceased i just woke up being told that i died during surgery uh you know like living i was pretty lazy at it i was only gone for a minute or two <laughs> both times because it was like this seems like a lot of work being dead so i came back but i that's part of my drive is i'm like why do other people have that 
and some don't where it comes to NDE. Did you find anything about that in your research at all for the book? And, and I think you called it uh, Messages from Mothman. Is that the Yeah, card? it's yeah. Uh, Messages from Mothman. Mm -hmm. And um, so everybody, it, it seems like whenever you talk to, and, and with, with paranormal also, everybody's experience is very different. And it's, you know, the, the people that say I'm going to use a scientific method to find the paranormal, whatever I'm like, oh, okay, it's the scientific method is based on repeatability. And if everybody is having a different experience, it's obviously something else. It's, it's in tune to us. It's more metaphysical than just some sort of paranormal thing. It's something else. Uh, the point is, is don't brush it aside, you know, have meaning of it, whatever that, that thing is, identify with it and, and assign meaning to it. You know, that's an interesting point too. People, people kind of do the same thing with the 1111 time prompt phenomena, mm -hmm. uh, or other numbers. I've always associated 11 and 22. I see 1122 a lot of places and, you know, people are like, Oh, the angels are sending you messages. And, uh, you know, but I'm still that skeptical believer where I'm like, it's an interesting element that I catch that number at this point. But I wonder how many times did I look at a clock today and not take notice because it didn't say 1122, but this time it did. So it resonates with me. Does it mean that something really happened? So I've tried to take note in those moments and I've told people what's going on right when you notice these things. Is there something that maybe go outside of just, oh, 1111, I, I saw it again. Maybe look around you, pay attention to what's going on, who the people are in your area. And is there somebody that maybe needs attention? Or is there is there something going on that uh, in your own life that needs attention? Because that time prompt phenomena, the number phenomena might actually have a different take than just, oh, I saw it. Yeah. I feel like it's an observation thing, regardless of anything is happening. What's going on just in your own world is something maybe significant happening. And someone's trying to tell you, pay attention. It's actually not that bad right now. Hey, that's you funny. know, the real problem is, is that there are a lot of things that take place that we dismiss summarily because we don't yep. understand them. And as parents, a lot of times our children come to us with things and we dismiss, which we talk about a lot on the show, right? Yep. We've got some yeah. stories later we'll talk about from some of the emails, but it's always interesting because children are tuned in and they haven't been taught that they shouldn't, or, you know, they, they haven't right. been jaded by history yet. And uh, I want to, let's jump right into a, a quick little segment here because uh, this I think fits in nicely with what we're discussing and uh, where we are. And I just want to make sure I've got the right uh, images here. Yeah, exactly. We're going to talk absolutely talking, of course, about, um, you know, Big, uh, Bigfoot, that sense of knowing all always means oh. big, but no, you idiot. Yeah. It's time <laughs> for by the book. That's right. The paranormal 60 presents by the book. And what book are we discussing today? Kids? Well, we're discussing, oh. listen to your tummy book. Number one, Evie listens by Angela Marie. And this, this is a great little book and you don't have to take my word for it. You can take the word of the author. Angela <laughs> Marie. She's right there. Hey, Ange. Look at that. Hello. How are hey. you all? Great. I want to make sure people do see. I do have a copy of this book. I you got do. a chance to see Angela earlier this year at a convention, and uh, I was lucky enough to get a copy of the book. And I love this concept. I love that it's it's made so uh, beautifully, and the art is amazing throughout the entire book, although it's hard to see with the green screen <laughs> effect on. But the art is great. The storytelling is great. And it's really well done in the sense of, 
helping children and maybe even parents of children come to terms with intuition and understanding what these these things mean. Ange, what was your uh, inspiration for creating EV Listens? Well, I was listening to a podcast and they were a parent had asked one of the hosts, how do you teach your child intuition? And the answer initially was, I don't know. Um, and ultimately was modeling that behavior. But when I heard, I don't know, my brain went, I do. I have an education background of early childhood education. And I was like, you keep things as simple as possible. And I saw this smiley face and had this idea of like, it really is you ask your question, whatever decision you're making to your, your core, your tummy and see, does it feel like it's smiling or an uplifting feeling, or does it feel like it's sinking? And that is your energetic GPS programmed specifically for you to give you guidance throughout your life. So I love that. And, and because too, at that age, children are not hearing as much self doubt and self monkey chatter, right? As an adult, when you said that, I'm like, yeah, I should try that more often. However, a lot of the monkey chatter in my head, I would have a hard time separating from my tummy talk. My tummy's just going to say, hey, dummy, can we have some Oreos and milk or a McRib? My brain is going to tell me really horrible things. So as a child, it's a good time to get involved and get them to start feeling and believing in that gut instinct because it is pretty powerful. It is. And you they do it in, in like instinctively. And I remember myself when I was young, I someone would ask me to come over and, and play. And I would always pause and I would ask the question and wait to see how it felt in my body. And even when my brain said I wanted to go, if it felt not quite right, I would say no. And it was a hard thing to do. But there was always a reason. And my brain being able to make that connection to be able to say, oh, why did I say no? And down, like when I was supposed to be there, something else happened, It's it made those connections. But it, as soon as I realized as a child that nobody else seemed to be doing this or I couldn't talk <laughs> about it or they were shutting me down, I I did it for the big stuff. You know, when people say, trust your gut, but then my brain was also thinking, why should I trust my gut when it's, I don't do it every day kind of thing. So there was that doubt there. And it was only actually Dave, you and Tim brought me to Echo Lee Bodine when I started um, listening to Darkness Radio in my 30s. And everything clicked. And I was like, oh, this is really simple. And when I intentionally did that, when I was just thinking, should I talk to this person? Is is this person's intentions good? Are they not good? Should I try this? Should I not try this? When I followed, even when it didn't make sense, everything started falling together. And if you could do that when you were a child, far less peer pressure pushing you in the wrong direction. It's still going to be there. You're still going to make mistakes like Evie does in the book, and she'll continue to throughout the series. But being able to talk safely with their parents, mm -hmm. like, okay, this didn't go right. And having that, knowing it's okay to trust, even when it doesn't make sense, you have a place to, to go and that you have that, essentially it's your ride or die kind of, right. no matter what decision you make, it's always there to ask again. If doesn't matter how many times you go the opposite direction, it's always there for you and will keep guiding you. Man, I wish I had this book uh, when a couple of my kids were a little bit younger. I had a couple of the mediums that I'm very 
close with would tell me that my son Damien was very gifted and my son, uh, my daughter Ripley and Pacey were gifted, but I didn't know how to, as a parent, I didn't want to lead them, but I didn't want to leave them twisting if there were things. So I was always like, Hey, you know, you can tell your dad anything, right? I mean, if you see ghosts or sense something and they're like, okay, dad. And I could tell I was just not resonating with them. You know, it's, it's hard to find the right words because a, you don't want to sound like a mental patient to your child either. Right. Um, and B, you don't want to make it seem like it's frightening or going to make them seem weird. And right. that's what I really like about your book as well, because to me, it really, it resonates in a good way to help children feel empowered and parents to feel empowered in dealing with this and how to speak to children. That was a big takeaway for me. Good. <laughs> and how to ask those just very, it's more guiding them mm -hmm. how to make, how to have that conversation. Like if they are afraid of something that it may not be your reality, you might not see what they're seeing, but it's very real to them. So mm -hmm. avoiding discounting that simply because, well, I don't see it. You can be honest and say, I do not see what that is, but I wholeheartedly believe you. Let's see what this, like, does it feel good? Does it feel safe is it you can go through these little q a and your intuition or their intuition is going to give you those very simple yes no and you can talk through it and help their brains learn how to process you're giving them tools and techniques to feel safe and to know they can come to you and ask those questions or be you can help them process what's going on Tressa, we would have been much better parents if we'd have only much had this better. book instead of the ruined children that we've got now. <laughs> you can always learn. You can always start. Oh, you think I'd get my 17-year-old to sit down with me and I'm going to start reading Evie Listens to her tonight. And, I have uh, had adults who read it and they come and they're, they're practicing it without yeah. having little ones or, I don't know. Yeah, we're not here and, to judge. No. <laughs> well... <laughs> Keep it bit. simple. That is the number one message in most things in life is keep it simple. So this is a simple way to get started and to continue nurturing that in ourselves and our children. Space navigation is hard. <laughs> it is. Should Just I flip this button or not? Yeah. Go with that uh, gut feeling. <laughs> Evie Listens is the book. I have a link for that book on today's program guide. Uh, and I'm not kidding. If you've got a grandchild uh, if you've got a child, if you've got a nephew or niece, or maybe just a, a neighbor kid that you love, who you a know is into this son. stuff, twenty-year-old son, whatever, whatever age. But this would be a great Christmas gift, a nice little stocking stuffer. And we always want to encourage children to read as it is. So get the book and read together, or have your child read to you. In Greg's case, you know, it's his heart. But uh, you can. You can get the book. It's available. It's out there now. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Angela, thank you for doing this and for taking children seriously, being respectful to them, not talking down to them in the book, but giving them empowerment. That's fantastic. Thank you. And thank you for having me on. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Go check it out. Again, the book is in the uh, guide below. And then do me a favor again, folks. When you get the book, rate and review the book. Give it five yeah. stars. Nice comments about it, please important. Yeah, that's very important. Huge. And that will definitely help get that book out there to more and more people so they can see what's going on. All right, Gregory. Hey, buddy. 
it's time for you to light it up there in Grand Central Space Station. And, oh, hey, yeah, it's my turn. Yeah, well, if, if, yeah. You know how it is. Uh, I do a lot of research before yeah, the show. We all do. It's a lot of hard work. And and I found something that I, I found that was very, very interesting. A massive new footprint was discovered and could lead to Bigfoot. Really? Fact. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. A Bigfoot size 23 prints and a woodland layer may have been found in Wales, of course. I mean, because that's where you would expect to find Bigfoot is in Wales. And uh, filmmakers uh, are claiming this is true. Um, investigators say that large footprints measure 16 inches. That's the same as the uh, basketball player Shaquille O'Neal's feet. So yeah. It could be him walking around. Well, there's a little more to the story. The tracks oh. were found. Yeah, the tracks were found in an area of woodland, a woodland area near Carfilly, along with some stick structures. Uh, you know, and that is an indication of, there you go. Look at that. Some yeah. stick structures. Because that's what Bigfoot does. The Bigfoot. Yeah, the group. He, he builds he builds crappy homes that the big bad wolf could blow down pretty easily. Yeah, I'm not. I'm well. It's I think it's a symbolic thing that he does. It's kind of like uh, you know scratching on a tree for a cat or or you know taking a dump in the Wait, wood kind of thing. Bigfoot symbolic? scratches on trees to get cats. <laughs> well, there's it's very complicated. We'll talk about it here in a little bit. I'm trying to keep it simple. You know, I don't think you're doing a good job. No. He's. Uh, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm trying to keep it simple. The group that claims to have found this says that it could be a primitive shelter of a wild man or a Bigfoot. The paranormal researchers and filmmakers are working on a new TV series. Canada, uh, Canadian Sasquatch researcher Jason Kinsey said it could possibly be a Sasquatch footprint. The toes are clear, uh, but I don't see any metatarsal break. Uh, the metatarsal break is an anatomical feature of feet uh, to be unique to Sasquatch, which sometimes are visible in his tracks. Unfortunately, this evidence is inconclusive because no one saw what made the footprints. But based on the size alone, it could be closer to an unknown creature than a typical human being. Back in 2016, a man reported seeing Bigfoot near Car uh, the Carpelli Mountains. That, that's not it. Is that Car Car Carfilly? Yeah, Carfilly. Carfilly. Really a lot of research. The Carf the yeah, the Carfilly Mountains, and even claimed to have caught the creature on camera. The researchers mm -hmm. say a Freedom of Information request was made to the North Wales Police in early 2021, that's asking for details. Yeah, look at that. That is a clear photo right yeah. there. Yeah, and they were asking for details of any reports of Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, ape figure, bear-like, or wild man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, the, the claim, uh, they claim that the North Wales police declined to fulfill the request due to time constraints. Makes mm -hmm. sense to me. Back to you, so they're, Dave. They're very busy in Wales with yeah. all the underwater stuff and sea life. And whales are so that's very, a different. That's a different yeah, whale. They're straining exactly. kelp through their teeth. So and it's and it's with an eight. Yeah, this you're getting. Yeah, no, no. Oh, oh you uh, okay? So, all right, detective. If I may ask you to it's not put on whales, your, whales, oh, and not, whales, whales. There's no H in it. It's just W A L E S. Whales. Okay. So let me ask you, paranormal detective. You come through the woods. You yep. stumble upon this. Oh yeah. 
what would you do as a paranormal investigator, as the paranormal detective, Greg Lawson? What would be your first point of, of work? Uh, the first thing I would say is I would listen to my gut. Um, very say? good. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, I'm, I'm easily trained. I'd listen to my gut. Boom. Yeah. There we go. And I would go, uh, what is this? You know, is some guys smoking weed out there? Are they trying to play around? And there's some kids making some stuff. Yeah. Um, but I know that uh, there's a lot of Bigfoot researchers out there that believe that these type of, I'm going to use a word that they use, structures mm -hmm. um, are created. It's kind of like firemen use, instead of a fire truck, it's an apparatus. Right. right. You know, well, Bigfoot researchers call these structures. So in, in these, these types of structures, I would try to figure out kind of what, you know, it looks like to me that it, it was, that log was sawed <laughs> off <laughs> on one side. So, you know, does he have a saw with him or is mm. he stealing something from somebody else? Um, there, you I know, don't think it's stealing. If yeah. it's like, if it's sawed wood from your forest and your Sasquatch, you're just reclaiming. Well, yeah. Your, you know what yeah, it looks like? It what looks like where you, as a child, would find porn in the forest. That's what it looks like. That's what I'm talking about. Allegedly. That's, that's I mean, yeah. See, I think it. just from the outside looking in, first of all, I would have taken many more pictures, yeah. not interrupting the, the deal, but I don't see anything inside that looks like anything has actually been in there. No, it's a, the structure is it's more like a, a he's marking his territory. See, he's, he's, right, he built, he's, he's not gonna, he's seven foot that. he's seven foot tall. He can't get in there, and, and even if he got in there, what what's the point? You can see right through it, and his know, rain's man. gonna rain right on you. And, I've seen lots of structures. Yeah, this is it. Just looks man made to me. It doesn't look yeah. like a Bigfoot thing. Looks like me. a couple of eight year olds were trying to build a fort uh -huh. in the woods. Yeah, and failed miserably because they're eight. To hide their porn, yeah. and then they got yes. tired. Yeah. Now, exactly. but what about this? There's something about this that stands out to me, and pardon the pun because it is a footprint, but oh, good one. what stands out to you about this footprint? Right? Who carries, I, I don't know that many um, big feats that carry rulers around with them. Well, there's not a ruler. Like a I think that's what is that? is a, that a, throat it's like a thermometer or something. Just to, they always say to put oh, it next yeah. to it so that you can have some kind of perspective. But okay, what I right. what I see here, I uh, you know, and I understand I'm not a detective. I'm just, I'm more like the Matlock. I'm the the kindly it's old kind of backwards, right? Yeah, it's a little bit backwards. The footprint looks too well defined to me. It yes. looks like somebody had mm -hmm. a board with a footprint and mm -hmm. then stepped on it because the uh, lines are flat. perfect. Yeah. The, it's flat and the toes are perfect. There should be a slide because in a stepping motion, your toes yeah. make that weird kind of slip slide slippity not slide. if you not if you hover unless he and, like and stomp just, if he's like walking jump? through the woods and he sees a spider and he's like ah spider and stomps on it and then just gingerly walks away that would be the only reason i think that this footprint should look like that ginger then you'd have to lift his foot up very slowly and then move Ugh. it forward it just it right. just yicky i don't yeah, this looks, like it uh, i don't i'm not you know and listen I don't want to cause bad blood with whales because the last thing we need on our hands is a war with whales. Yeah. Did you see what those orcas are doing to yachts? They're like yeah. totally not whales. Oh. Oh. Not whales. Whales. Either way, country or giant uh, sea mammals. I don't want to mess with them either way. So I, but that, to me, just, that just seems weird to me. I don't buy it. I think we're being shenanigan and it's, it's, I don't, I shouldn't say that yet. I don't know. What would it look like? Right. Maybe he was just standing there and got beamed up. I don't know. 
Uh, yeah, I don't like the look. It looks right. bad. It's a, right. It's something. Something seems off. Yeah. But you know, I mean, if the paranormal detective's not picking up on it, what do I know? This guy. Uh, he's what did well I say? What? Did, what did he's I got say? a NASA hat and everything. Me. Right. Salad bar supervisor. <laughs> the best I can get. This guy's up in the in the space shuttle, but do beaming croutons? down to us. Yeah. Do you have croutons? <laughs> I always have croutons. Can I the have only some thing, croutons? The only thing I don't have is cottage cheese. Hey, I do want to make a couple of uh, quick mentions here. We've got uh, some love being shown to us from Mark G. Nothing but love, Dave and Schrader fam. Today and always, my friend, $5 donation. Thank you, Mark. We appreciate that. Look at this one. Sybil, she's paying attention with an 1122 <laughs> donation, awesome. which, by the way, is the date next Wednesday, which also happens to be my birthday. So <gasps> I'll be celebrating my birthday here on the Paranormal 60 with all y'all. So I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm going to be bad. able to be them. Yeah. Oh, what? Ooh, Houston? What? <laughs> We're having a pro. Oh, oh, oh that's alien or a whale in space. I'm not <laughs> yes, sure. What? Oh, he's back. Oh. Never mind. Sybil, thank you very much. Just listening. Very nice discussion. And then Deb from SAC has dropped 10 bucks on us. Amazing panel tonight. Thank you so much, Deb. We appreciate that. The super likes, super loves, super stickers, super buttons whatever they're all on if you feel like leaving a little love you can also uh make a donation at paranormal 60 on venmo that's at paranormal 60 on venmo but uh let's uh, you know what let's do this we have to take a very quick break very very quick break and then we'll be right back today's episode is brought to you by better help what's the first thing that you'd do if Say you had an extra hour in your day. Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap? Read a book? Or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's better. Help, H E L P dot com slash P sixty. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp dot com slash P sixty. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Hey everybody, how would you like the opportunity to visit Australia with me, Dave Schrader, and? If you listen to the Paranormal 60 Audio Network and you love True Hauntings podcast with Ann and Renata, that I mentioned they're going to be part of this tour, and we are going to get a chance to investigate 
claims of the paranormal down under. We're also going to get to go to an animal sanctuary and get to see koalas and wallabies and giant crocodiles. Danger, danger, danger. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to have a great time. I would love for you to join us. There are limited spots. We're only doing 20 people on this trip. So I would love for you to be a part of this trip and go with us as we get to go to the land down under where women grow and men chunder. I, I can't remember what? the lyrics. I'm horrible I don't, memory on that. Yeah. Not. Anyway, uh, I'll make the Vegemite sandwich because <laughs> what else have I got to do, right? Uh, come on, let's do this. You can find information by going to darknessevents.com. Darkness events. Darkness events. Darknessevents.com. Hey, Love and Lotus Tarot, Winnie Schrader is waiting for you. We have been getting a lot of great bookings and a lot of very happy customers that have connected with Winnie to help you see what's coming up for you. Give you some insights into your love life, your financial, your careers. All you have to do is reach out. You can scan the little scan me button on the screen right now, or you can just head over to paranormal60.com. Click on the Love and Lotus Tarot tab and you can find a way to book your reading with winnie do that right now it would also make a great christmas gift all right we are back that's how this rolls commercials are still fast-paced we've got more stories to share and the newest addition to the team gets to finally speak in a bigger oh, capacity wow. here yeah wow. yeah i hate breaking up stories because it was a bigfoot story we're launching right into another bigfoot story this one we are we, did you uh, did, did you not read the story you sent me? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. one yeah, small. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, what have we got? All right, uh, sweet tea, help us out here. <laughs> Let me tell you guys. Yeah, <laughs> one small step for man, one giant step for Bigfoot. Does the knuckle under the chin help you read better? It does. That was when you go it to does. Start, it's like the... a channeling to my Is brain. It? Oh, nice. Yeah, it's good. Very good. Yeah. Bigfoot is mostly known for trekking the forests of the western United States, but the hairy behemoth plans to chart new territory as well. What? The moon. To hell, you say? Yes. Really? Dan yes! Dan Chudzinski, a Northwest Ohio artist and sculptor, began his larger-than-life rendition of the classic folklore monster titled Evasive Species during the COVID-19 lockdown in 2020 <laughs> shut up when the norman rockwell museum in massachusetts tasked him with creating the art piece for an exhibit the challenge was can i do something in high resolution hyper realistic detail that when you approach it in a gallery it still makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up kaczynski who is also the curator of the matzo museum at the university of findlay said Initially, uh, oh, listen, there's a quote mark there that shouldn't be there. Wait. That's all right. You don't have to read the quote mark. Just read the Initially, word. he wanted to create a 10-foot tall Sasquatch sculpture, but later settled on just creating the creature's bust. Lazy He bastard. used 400 pounds of clay to make a mold, then finished the silicone exterior with paint and taxidermy hair, installing each hair by hand for three weeks. An image of Chazinski's sculpture, a snarling hairy man beast burying its yellow teeth and peering ahead with wolf-like eyes under protruding eyebrow muscles 
will be etched into nickel microfilm and archived in a time capsule on the south pole of the moon as part of the Lunar Codex Contemporary Art Archive Initiative. University of Findlay art instructor Spencer Cunningham took the photo that will be used. A photograph is a record, Cunningham said. It carries information. It carries memories. So to have one of those on the moon, who hmm. knows who is going to see it in subsequent ah. decades, years, centuries? Chudzinski said he is humbled by the honor and hopes his accomplishments as a local artist can inspire future artists in northwestern Ohio. You want to create something that outlasts you, something that is meaningful. Meaningful, he said, knowing now that I'll never be able to look at the moon the same way, I'll know that I did leave a mark there. A big foot print on the moon. Oh, man. That's pretty extraordinary. The launch window to send the microphone oh. with the image of evasive species mm -hmm. to the moon is stated for the fail or the fall of winter. The fail? <laughs> Schedule to the fail? Listen, uh, it's all looking the same right now. Yeah, it is. Of 2023 during NASA's Griffin Lunar Lander mission in partnership with SpaceX. Back to you, wow. Dave. Hey, could you go to the part where it says an image? Can you go to that part of the article? The image? Like, it's like the fourth or fifth it? one. Yeah, you see it says an image of oh, yeah. All right, uh, so let's look at the, the image and, and repeat okay. what's there. Oh, that's okay. He's great. Uh, an image of Chudzin Chudzinski's sculpture, <laughs> a snarling, hairy man-beast, bearing its yellow teeth and peering ahead with wolf-like eyes under protruding eyebrow muscles. Look at, look at that. Look at, Those are protruding orbital ridges right there. Look that, at, did you notice this? Look at uh -huh. this. Look at right it's, here. Look. It's like 3%. That, yeah. I, I, pretty I don't sure that's... I, care for that. I feel like he's treading pretty lightly on a certain trademark. The eyebrows of destiny are not happy. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. Yeah. Lawsuit. Oh, good God. What have I done? Greg has a two-page story. What? I mean, no. Whoa, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why haven't I done this more often? I, that's okay. I'm going to read it uh, in the PBS mode of... Uh, oh, the, oh bet. Do it. Oh, you jealous. He is man so sending. Yeah, man sending his DNA to the moon so aliens can clone him <laughs> and put him in a zoo. How's that? Give me a second. Let me do it again. Man sending his DNA to the moon so aliens huh? can clone him and put him in a zoo. So you think that, like, whispering that? makes it PBS? Is that what I think so. Doing? Yeah, okay. and, the, and the timbre. The, the the pace of you've the, never watched the, the news word before, are you noticing the wolf-like eyes and furrowed menacing <laughs> brow muscle that's yeah, yeah. good i'm get pretty sure you're going to get a cramp here shortly yeah. you're going to get a cramp in your ear and it's going to hurt like hell yeah cramp in my ear oh yeah what a shape do you think i yeah. am <laughs> <Good God>. <laughs> <laughs> what took him out cramp Wee. in the ear <laughs> you see him he went straight to the ground that's right all right, All right. Texas-based space company Celestis has been shooting cremated remains into orbit for many years now. I don't know whether y'all know that or not, but I did not. Uh, yeah, it, it says hashtag 
uh, cremated remains into orbit on my T-shirt right here, but um, I'm wearing a space suit. So yeah. uh, during its first flight back in 1997, the company shot the remains of Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry and scientific visionary Gerald O'Neill. Uh, the physicist and and uh, and creator behind the space habitat design known as the O'Neill Cylinder into Earth's orbit. Celestis Company, uh, their uh, customers can have a wide variety of motivations for having their remains blasted into space. The the New York Times recently profiled uh, seven individuals who contracted. Celestis for their space memorials. One particularly free-spirited physicist, Professor, 86-year-old Kenneth Ohm, had an unusual reason for having his DNA and not just his cremated ashes what? delivered. Yeah, delivered to the moon's south pole during an upcoming Celestis mission. Ohm is hoping that future civilizations could eventually open an intergalactic zoo with Ken Ohms in a cage per the report what? or even a swarm of a thousand of reconstituted Kim Ohms no. spread across the universe. He says, I am living with uncertainty. He told the newspaper, of course we should take Ohms tongue in cheek suggestions, which sound like they're inspired by an episode of Rick and Morty uh, with a big grain of salt. On certain level, though, the idea of safekeeping DNA samples for future civilizations, whether terrestrial or extraterrestrial, isn't that crazy? We've already found ways to clone animals and their DNA. Sure, we're not talking about exact replicas of recently deceased pets or the physics uh, professor himself, for that matter. Uh, but the contact the concept of cloning humans, ethical and moral implications notwithstanding, isn't a distant scientific uh, stretch or mm. science fiction, but the Celestis will make uh, but when Celestis will make it back there remains to be unseen. The, the company's first lunar memorial service, NASA's lunar prospector mission launched January 1998, impacting the lunar surface uh, inside a permanently shadowed crater roughly a year and a half later. The capsule carried parts of the remains of noted planetary geologist Eugene Shoemaker on board. Uh, the Space Burial Company's lunar follow-up, the Tranquility Memorial Space Flight, is now closed for reservations, but still doesn't have an official launch date. The capsule, a partnership with Astrobiotics developer and the Peregrine Lunar Lander is meant to land in the northeastern part of the moon after it is launched by the United Launch Alliance Vulcan Centaur rocket. I just said that. What? Yes. I'll say it again. United Please. Launch Alliance oh, Vulcan uh, is scheduled to complete its maiden test flight on uh, this year's Christmas Eve. The Celestis Memorial capsule carrying cremated remains and DNA will remain on the lunar surface. Permanent tribute to the intrepid souls who never stopped reaching for the stars, Dave. This That's is why we can't have nice things. We just 
let's just start shooting our crap at the moon. <laughs> just right. Well, they're just throwing garbage everywhere is what they're doing. Yeah. No, and you know what we're going to end up with? On the moon, just a bunch of ash holes <laughs> with wow. human remains. One ash hole after another on the moon. Well, all I can say, Dave, is yes. it makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Back to you, Dave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what you, you said. We all had to have taglines when, when you when we had the meeting yes. and you were developing these pro personas. <laughs> personas. <laughs> <My God>. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to return this one, please, for. Uh, Hey, make make sure you guys have taglines. Make sure you have taglines. I missed this meeting. When was this? It, it's only in here, in uh, his head. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Greg, hey, yeah, people hey, are buddy. loving the fact that you are less purple tonight. You are much hey, more thanks. cherry red. Wow. You thanks. are. You have got the amber glow of the space. I'm closer to the light. sun here. I'm closer oh. to the sun. Oh. Yeah, obvi. So it's a burn. Um, you got a sunburn. Kind of a it's a burn. slow burn, slow burn, oh. slow burn. Speaking of a slow burn, Lil wow. Sprite is back. Contribution to your bust, Dave. Thank you, Lil <laughs> Sprite. Forty dollar donation for the uncanny likeness that that guy caught of what he claims to be a Bigfoot, but is obviously nothing more than me and my yellowed teeth. Uh. Yeah. Thank you, though. We appreciate the love and support. All right, T Sweet. Oh, T Sweet. T <laughs> Almost. Yeah. All right. What uh, uh sweet tea? I'm I'm learning. It's only three weeks in. And you just made up the name, so it makes sense. Hey, hey, I did would you guys stop putting it on me? You're the one that are like, hey, if I'm doing the show, you're calling me sweet tea, or you're calling me nothing at all. I don't remember that conversation. And I thought nothing at all would not look right. Well, we gotta that. create these characters. The show has to have these characters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Colonel, Chachi, Sweet Tea, Greg. You're mm. right, I've shaped that. That character so like a sculpture, like molding, molding mm -hmm. into a giant Bigfoot-like creature that's Each floating hair, in outer one space. One by one, yeah, mm -hmm. one by one. Um, yeah. I gotta tell you guys, uh, I had a really good go? time with this one. So wow. just like refill right, well, your here. drinks right now. That's Let's do I'm this, saying. sweetie. Take a deep cleansing breath. What you got? <laughs> Innovation, creation, vitality, and joy are the pulse of mysoultopia.com with many custom creations for the mind, body, and spirit along with classes, intuitive sessions, coaching, and healing energies. Mysoultopia.com strives to bring sophistication with a twist to the metaphysical and the holistic market while raising the community's vibration and channeling the new paradigm, which means new and exciting adventures for all. MySoulTopia.com is utopia for your soul. Visit MySoulTopia.com, your one-stop shop for all your metaphysical needs. Offering hand-selected crystals and crystal jewelry with prices to fit every budget. MySoulTopia.com offers the best selections of tarot and divination cards by top designers. Expertly curated and award-winning book collections top authors on every subject you'll need on your spiritual journey. My Soultopia is also proud to offer the finest singing bowls and an eclectic collection of the most amazing gemstones, crystals, and crystal jewelry from the top metaphysical designers in the world. MySoultopia.com is always your one-stop shop for award-winning mixes of Florida water, sage spray, and other spiritual protection. So begin your journey with the best resource 
mysoultopia.com. That's mysoultopia.com. Why mess with the rest when you can start with the best? mysoultopia.com. All right, sweet tea. You're up. I gave you plenty of time to cleanse the palate, to have a couple sips, and get yourself back in the mode. Hey, before we get into that, can I make a small request for uh, the human race just in general? Sure. Can we just, like, stop saying when you visit a place that you're going to be inside them because it's starting to make me uncomfortable? Oh. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I just... Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we could arrange that oh. in the future. We'll just... Oh, what... Did she- hey, hey, you know what? I'm inside Georgetown right now. Boom. Oh, it, oh, what so much, so much weirdness going on. This is why you tune into this show because it is so paranormally strange. You just never know what's going to happen. But right now we do know oh, so that Sweet Tea has a story. Yeah. Oh, All right, okay. Sweet Tea, you're back. Thanks. Yeah. The show, you're in it. Let's hear it. Uh. Pentagon <laughs> UFO chief says someone is in our backyard oh, yeah. this week. The oh, that director- sounds worse to me, to be honest. Hey, Ohio, I'm going to be in you. Hey, <laughs> NASA scientist says something's in your backyard. That sounds even worse. Yeah, you're right. It does. Yeah, I, I agree. So. No, yeah. I don't care for either. Ah, okay. Hmm. This week, the director of the U.S. government's UFO analysis office stated that there is evidence of concerning unidentified flying object activity in our backyard. According to physicist Sean Kirkpatrick, who heads the congressionally mandated all-domain anomaly resolution office, this alarming UFO activity can be contributed to one of two extraordinary sources, either a foreign power or aliens. To be sure, the ramifications of either would be significant, but Kirkpatrick's comments, which come as he is about to retire after a 27-year defense and intelligence-focused career, are more intriguing because he also says that none of the hundreds of military UFO reports analyzed by this office recently have been positively attributed to foreign activities. Ooh, that's saying something. Yeah, it is. Holy cow. At the same time, Kirkpatrick Hmm? and senior defense officials have ruled out the possibility that secret U.S. programs or experimental aircraft explain the phenomena. Wait a minute, wait. So they've discounted that it's us. Uh Uh-huh. And they've pretty much discounted that they think it's foreign. Uh Uh-huh. But yet they're not going to say it's alien. What what other choice is there? Uh, uh, NASA uh, boy, you got a word for us in here? You know, look at that. Look at that thing. Here well, it comes. That's, that's NASA for you. Hey, look at that thing. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Sweet tea, you're back. Oh, I got to figure out where I am. Well, suspicious UFO cases will continue to be investigated for foreign links, the facts at hand appear to support Kirkpatrick's more startling explanation for the UFO activity in America's backyard. Aliens. Aside from this remarkable development, the mere suggestion by a top government official that aliens could explain some UFO activity is the latest example of a striking shift in tone regarding the UFO phenomenon. More importantly, Kirkpatrick stated in a recent presentation that U.S. government censors and service members are observing metallic orbs that are making very interesting apparent maneuvers all over the world. Moreover, multiple sensors have apparently observed metallic orbs and translucent spherical objects 
traveling at speeds ranging from stationary to Mach 2, or twice the speed of sound. With the no, the what? Yep, the P yep. of sound, that's right. Ah, yeah. With no detectable thermal exhaust. Huh. According to Kirkpatrick, hmm. the object's enigmatic or enigmatic flight characteristics huh. amount to a unique UFO profile that his panel is out hunting for. Hmm. Metallic orbs matching Kirkpatrick's description have perplexed U.S. military air crews for 80 years. There they are. Yeah. During World War II, American aviators reported encounters with large numbers of silver spheres. The New York Times, Associated Press, Reuters, Stars and Stripes all published stories stories in the late 1944 describing military air crews encounters with mysterious silver balls which float in the air. Silver balls. Uh, silver balls. Yeah. It's getting all holiday-like in here. Let's knock it off. Oh. All right. I dug deep. Deep into the mailbag of the McConnell. I found some stories and things that oh, did you get, shared. Huh? Did you get some? Did you get some emails? I got some emails. Your favorite part. Oh, I, I love yeah, this. This is exciting. this is great. Hey, hey, uh, Tressa, yeah. just, just listen. This is good. This is good. Okay. Here we I go. know how much you love emails. <clears throat> oh, I do. This I comes to us from Mary. Hi, Mister Schrader, and the rest of the beloved Paranormal oh, Sixty family. Look at us. My best friend Alicia was murdered in 2011. Oh, she loved Garth Brooks. We used to sing Friends in Low Places, including the third verse, whenever we were together. In 2020, my little boy Dylan, that was about six years old at the time, and I were driving up to Wellington, Ohio, to visit my older son, Ryan, before he went into the Army. We were listening to K99.1 FM, and the song Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks came on, and I sang along happily with the song, remembering the times with my best friend, Alicia. As I started to sing the third verse, I looked over at my passenger seat, and there, singing with me, with a smile on her face, was my friend, Alicia. I'll never forget that wonderful moment. Thank you for letting me tell my story. Sincerely yours, Mary B. That's kind of beautiful, huh? That's so nice. Although, if I'm driving, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm just chucking down the road, and I'm all, oh, I got friends in low places. And I turn over, and dead friend <laughs> is sitting next to me. Right, crash. Yeah, I'm going to be in a low place, too, about six feet under. Yeah. That's where I'm going to be, because I don't know. How would you respond, Greg? Honestly, you're just trucking along in your car, and then you turn, and dead person is sitting next to you. Not like well, weekend at Bernie's dead person with sunglasses right. and a okay. smirk. I was going to say, because this has happened to me multiple times, but right. in different situations. Or? No, I don't mean a corpse as much yeah. as I mean a, you know, like a spirit. Got it. Yeah. You know, um, I think uh, there, there's, there's part of uh, the way I train is as far as a uh, stress inoculation. And I think that I'm prepared for something like that to happen and I won't run out <laughs> of the uh, room. You know, well, you're not in a room, you'd be in a car. Yeah. Thanks for paying attention, detective. Yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, you, you, uh, you guys looking Sweet for Sweetie flinches when a, when a ladybug is in the car. I think <laughs> she's gonna take out an entire hey, four, four lane. You guys, you guys are looking hey. for a ghost, and then the ghost shows up, and y'all run off. I don't, yeah. I don't get it. 
I no, but you're not looking for a ghost right. when you're driving in your car. No. I'm always right. looking. I'm always you, looking. You Dave. are not. You, I forgot. You are the paranormal dick. <laughs> That's a detective. That's a slang. I know. Uh, you were just telling his That's title. Right. Hi, Dave and the news crew. I hope all is well. I'm typing this while watching the new Exorcist film. A good time on All Hallows' Eve to send you another of my happenings in mm. Lark Hill. This is a shorter story, but I would be grateful for your opinion of what the phenomena actually is. I'd been experiencing things happening between 2 to 4 a.m. I would awake suddenly and feel something at the bottom of my bed. It made four indentations in the mattress and would slowly, very slowly, crawl up the bed towards me. I could feel the sheets tighten across me as it moved. I would close my eyes as tight as I could for as long as I could while feeling my heart pounding in my chest. That's the sound of a heart pounding in the chest. That's the sound of you pounding your chest. Same thing, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, The problem was that when I eventually looked, there was no visible person or creature, just the depressions in the sheets. I would close my eyes and try to go back to sleep. One night, like clockwork, I blinked awake, feeling no pressure on the bed, but I had the feeling that I needed to look up. The ceiling of my room was filled with strange creatures flying around, at least 50 of them. They were around 15 centimeters long and a cigar shape with wavy structures down each side, propelling them throughout the air looking almost like jellyfish. They were grayish white in color and were zipping around each other. The air in between them almost sparkled with white dots of light. I know exactly what that is. Okay, <laughs> let me finish this up and then I want you to weigh in on it. I screwed up my eyes and opened them again. They were still there. I watched them for a while. It, it seemed to me that they were harmless and I thought about standing on the bed and trying to touch them, but I was much too frightened to try. After a while, watching these captivating things zip about, I I simply fell asleep. I saw them a couple more times after this and have always been curious as to what sort of phenomenon they are. Watching a paranormal caught-on-camera program on TV one night, I saw the same creatures zipping around outside somebody's home. They had been seen on security cameras. I now know that they're called rods, but I still have no idea what they are or where they come from. Perhaps one of you can help. Love to you all. Lindsay from Liverpool. All right, Greg. You knew about rods. Is that what you thought they were when, when I started describing it in Lindsay's letter? Well, yeah, but it, I mean, if she's seeing it straight up, uh, there, there would have had to have been something else going on. Because uh, the rods that she's describing, on, like a uh, paranormal caught on camera and that sort of thing, is just really low-resolution camera film. And when the butterfly or the bug goes by and flips his, his wings seven times, it creates this big, long streak. And you'll see a wavy thing like that where the, the, the wings are. Uh, and I thought they were amazing when, they, when we first started seeing these back in the 90s. I remember. Um, I was just so excited that there was this like crazy weird looking. Tressa thing. would run home from middle school and watch those videos on the AOL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> get, get, get an get image all. for like yeah. an hour. Yeah. 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 So it's very interesting that she's seeing these uh, without the aid of a camera. 
Hmm. Um, you know, just waking up and then and being able to see this kind of misty kind of look thing. Maybe she's like in a twilight state yeah. when she woke up. Um, in the know? hypnagogic or hypnopompic yeah. state. Yeah. Yeah. I try to keep it simple, though. I just say, you know, it's like a Thank twilight you. state. Yeah. Twilight. Yeah. So um, I think it's amazing. Um, whatever, whatever she saw, I think is pretty cool. I think you shouldn't drink before going to bed. That's my take. Well, that, I mean, that, that has something to do with it. Or gummies. Clean the, clean the, clean the uh, gummies could the cause it. Maybe, judgment coming maybe she's clean those fan blades, fan blades on your ceiling fan. That's maybe, maybe she was camping. She didn't say she wasn't camping. Was she? she said she was inside in her bed. What? <laughs> maybe she's got a bed in her camping thing. Uh, I think the lack of gravity is affecting your consciousness. I have to have no, a I don't know, Lindsay, up here. That's interesting that you've seen that. I've seen Tinkerbell sparkles in the sky in a few different locations. Oh, I, I know you have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, guys and gal. I first want to say I love your show, and so does my family. We love all your shows, all of them. So about the mm. creepy kids stories, I have a ton of them, but I'm going to keep this short. First, my son. He had, well, has some gifts. One day while living in Wyoming, we went on a four-wheeler ride. He was only three and a half years old, but he yelled, stop. I thought he'd seen an elk or something, but he asked me, do you see her? I asked who, and he said, the lady. And I see nothing. He says he just told me she's over there across the road. She doesn't know what to do. I asked what she looked like and why is she there. He told me short with dark hair and very sad. Then he said, now she's gone. The next morning on the radio, a lady was missing. She had been seen last in our little town. People came from all over looking for her. And later that day, they found her. Not two miles from my house, in the sagebrush, in the exact direction my son said she was. She had been shot, but they gave no other details. My son that night says she's okay now. Light people came to get her. And he was glad he didn't like her being in his room anymore. Yeah, I didn't sleep for about a month. And then there's my daughter. She changed my life. I, I couldn't do anything from the time she was born till she was at least four or five. She was a daddy's girl for sure. She would always say, you're my favorite daddy. I always joked, I'm going to have to talk with your mom about after listening to your podcast. I realized just now that I maybe wasn't her first daddy. She would always say, don't leave me with mommy. I don't want to be alone with mommy. We now think that something bad happened in her past life. And it breaks my heart because even now at 14 years old, she doesn't really trust her mom. And I don't know what to do with that. Now her mommy is a decent person. I just don't know what to do. My mom said when I was three or four, I would tell these crazy stories and everyone would sit around and laugh. But my grandpa would maybe giggle and shake his head with a confused look on his face and maybe even shocked. Then one night, a stormy night with power out and pending tornado possibilities, this is Kansas after all, we had candles and lanterns out and I was telling another story. My mom said it was very confusing and not as lighthearted and funny as before, maybe even a bit more disturbing. And as I get to the end of the story, I turn my head, look right at my grandpa and say, isn't that right, Bill? My mom said he got up and left the room the next day telling everyone that there is no way anyone could have known about that and would never let me tell my stories again. 
I don't remember any of this, but my mom said it was a while before my grandpa would even be around me. Anyway, I don't know how creepy that really was, but I have a lot more. Sometimes I spook myself talking about them. Thanks, Dave and the Paranormal News crew, Brian. Brian, send more. We love creepy kid stories, and all of those were weird. Perfect. Great, great read. Thank you. We need to do an emails to Dave book. Oh, I like that. And you can donate the uh, proceeds to something. That way you're, you're not stealing everybody's um, What? Yeah, I don't know. So um, what was, anyway, so yes, yeah, send me your stories and I'll put them in a book and retire eventually yeah. to some beautiful little island. That's and uh, yeah, yeah. What was that whole thing he was rambling about? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. He's an idiot. What can you do? <laughs> All right. Let's see. Um, oh boy. I've got, we're kind of going long here. We're already into the paranormal 70. Uh, and my last two stories are like, long stories. I'm afraid this will break Greg if I read them. Yeah, um, do it. All right. All right. I will let me see if we can Houston, can you help us reconnect? Houston? Oh. There he is. Yeah. Hey Greg, we have two stories left. Great. Here's the first line of the first one. My story for you begins on a random weekday night in January of 2017 or Hi, Dave, Chachi, Greg, and hopefully the Colonel again soon. And yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Sweet tea. That's just wow. cold. All right. So here we go. Greetings, Dave and the Paranormal 60 News crew. My story for you begins on a random weekday night in January of 2017. Well, that's kind of a lie. It really begins with me living on haunted charged land when I first married and learning to hone in on my abilities through these experiences. But that's a story for another time. Now, back to January of 2017, I'm sitting on the couch with my husband. Our then two-year-old was playing on the floor next to us when all of a sudden, there's a big swoosh of energy that comes through our back door, filling our kitchen as if everyone arrived to a party at once that we didn't know we were having. It had that joyful Christmas vibe as though a group of people were gathered around our kitchen island, glasses of wine cheerfully clinking while laughter filled the air. Then I physically see my dog, Bella, who passed away a few years prior, run quickly by. A moment later, my very much alive dog, Daisy May, starts walking around the kitchen and living room, stopping at random spots, lifting her head up and then bobbing it up and down as if someone was patting her on the head. I kid you not, this happened three to four times at random spots between the two rooms. We could see from our couch. My husband is still oblivious, yammering on about some random current events, despite the fact that my jaw is on the floor as I stare at our Daisy May getting pets from invisible guests. A few moments later, our two-year-old looked up from playing and happily called out several times to my dad, Poppy, Poppy, who, by the way, died several years before she was born. And another, by the way, around that time, we really didn't talk about him that much. And if we did, I always referred to him as dad because he had only been a grandfather for a year and a half at the time of his death. Finally, Captain Oblivious next to me becomes ever so slightly less oblivious and asks me if she was just calling for my dad. Noticing what the dog is doing now, cracks a joke about it and quickly resumes his post as the captain of oblivion. I decided not to tell him what was going on, dead or not, they were still our guests, and it just seemed rude to point out that they forgot to give him the memo. 
Plus, they are kind enough to look over my Bella for me until I reach the other side. And I didn't want to ruin this beautiful moment by an endless stream of questions from the captain. They do come to check with a lot of <laughs> passive aggressiveness in this letter. Uh, the captain, they do come by to check in from time to time, after all, and they will bring my Bella along with them, just usually not in this big a group, unless, of course, someone died. Now, keep that last sentence in mind, because it becomes important eight pages later. <laughs> Riveted. <laughs> okay, here we go. Fast forward a few hours. I was having some trouble sleeping, not usual for me, so I didn't think much of it, or even the ghost party earlier for that matter. I just did what I normally do when I'm having one of those nights, which is to go to another room to sleep, so I don't keep the captain up as I toss and turn. As I'm drifting to sleep, I started to sense the energy of a middle-aged woman who was darting in and out of the room numerous times. She kept saying to herself, should I or shouldn't I? Should I or shouldn't I? And she had this squeamish feel about her as if she was afraid of me. Funny, right? Normally I get freaked out by spirits, but this stuff was just funny as hell. She looked like she was trying not to pee her pants waiting in a long line for a bathroom. I figured she was harmless, so I jokingly called her an amateur and used what I like to think of as my white light to force her out of my space. Doing that takes tons of energy, and I quickly passed out thereafter. Fast forward again to a few days later, I'm driving to a work meeting in another state over a big bridge when all of a sudden I get jumped from behind by the spirit of a woman. She relived her death and crossing over for me. Long story, hopefully not boring. This woman was driving a car at night, fell asleep at the wheel, went off the road down a small ditch and crashed into a pole or possibly a tree. Immediately after the impact, she had no idea she had been in an accident, let alone that her soul had left her body. She kept saying, come on, people, I got places to go, as she uses the back of her right hand to slap her left palm, kind of reminded me of an Italian gesture. It was then that she realized she was dead. She arrogantly, annoyingly, and with a white girl head bob asks, oh, really, really, <laughs> are you serious right now? Are you serious She's right now? favorite. She then throws both hands in the air, still very much annoyed, and said, fine, as if she actually had a choice to be dead at this moment, and then quickly crossed over to the other side. Do you think St. Peter was like, eh, no, not really, we're kidding, and just shut the door real quick? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. No, it's fine, it's fine. No, you're fine. No, no, just you're go good. back. Yeah. It's good. It's no, good. Like, wait, is that your dog? It was then that I start to smell the glass, taste the blood, and feel either knocked out teeth or broken glass wow. in my mouth. I'm not sure which. Then this ghost bitch, yeah, I said it, but <laughs> consent should matter when you're doing 55 over a river, has me move over my hand from my forehead to my chest over and over again as if to signal that this is where her injuries are. She then used my hands to signal a moving object crashing center into a pole like a tree or to show exactly how the impact happened now for the weirder part if that's even possible the oh, whole good. vision or whatever you call it took a matter of seconds as if i was a computer that downloaded a file however the feeling of broken teeth and blood in my mouth lingered for about five to ten minutes as a lovely parting gift uh, uh. yeah right my first thought after this was where does she get the ass to complain about death from what I could gather, her soul left her physical body before she was actually dead. She felt no pain and was immediately able to cross over. Doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> Here 
you're a little cold. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> the empathy, Kim, is a little little small on this. I'm not but picking also, on you. she didn't. She didn't yeah. cross over because he saw her as how much longer she, after she, she actually Kim, died. Yeah, Kim. Well, it could be uh, a him? guy, Kim. I'm not sure, but it's a Kim. Sorry. Yeah, Kim. No, Kim is the one that's writing the stories, telling right. us. Uh, and whatever. It was a woman. The point being... She didn't immediately cross over to the other other side. No. She came back, apparently. Yeah. Because she's like, what? This is some BS. After that, I thought, that's weird. I haven't heard of anyone dying on this bridge recently, thinking she may have been connected to the bridge. A short half hour later, I arrive at my meeting, a little shaken, but able to shrug it off until I get the call. The nurse at my girl's pediatrician office. Let's call her Nurse D. Had died in an auto accident the night before the ghost party at my house in the exact same way that was conveyed to me by my ghost friend while I was driving over that bridge. Quick side note, I take my kids to a sole practitioner who has his family work in his office. When you have little ones in daycare, you get to know their doctor and staff very well with all the wellness and sick visits. Also, I should mention Nurse D. She was Italian and used her hands to talk all the time. She was the nicest, funniest, most caring person, and a Christian. I think my family, including my dog Bella, was bringing her over to say goodbye to my two-year-old. That seems about right for my dad. He was so happy to be a granddad before he died. Nurse D always commented about loving our then two-year-old spitfire energy, stating that she could relate. Once she realized I could sense her presence, I think she stuck around to try to communicate. I must have lit up some of Nurse D's spitfire energy again when I called her an amateur. Still not sure if that message was for me to validate the experiences I'd had, given me a sense of peace about how the abilities align with my Christian beliefs, or if it was for her family to let them know she didn't suffer and is doing great on the other side. But thanks to my dog, Bella, I am sure that my mind was not playing tricks on me. My then two-year-old was calling out to my dad. There was a woman trying to communicate with me that night, and I did get a message from Nurse D about her passing before receiving that call. Just in case her family needed the message, I stated in a prayer I'd be willing to have a sit-down with her family, but she has to do something specific first to give me the green light. That has yet to happen, but I will gladly keep my word. For me, this experience was a huge validation in my abilities and where they align with my beliefs. And for that, I'll forever be grateful to Nurse D and my beautiful dog, Bella. Thanks for taking the time to read my story, and God bless all of you. Best Kim. Oh, there you go. Thank him. Yeah, thank him. Very nice. Um, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this last story because I've got it here, and I I know she's usually in our chat room, and I don't want her to think we disassociated the story quickly. So let's let's give this one, and we'll round it out. I think we'll have a nice paranormal ninety when we finish this story. And my mom used to love when the uh, people listening would send in their stories. So I think in order to honor her, we'll go I like it. final story. Yeah, do it. I like it. Hi, Dave, Chachi, Greg, and hopefully the Colonel again soon. And yes, you, Tressa. <laughs> I've never shared my stories with anyone but my family and close friends before. But after hearing so many others share, I thought, why not? I know there's no better person to give it justice other than you. I knew I was different since I was seven years old, and I always felt very close to God and had an experience when I was seven that this story is not about. Maybe someday I'll be able to explain it. This story below, however, happened when I was 10 and is very self-explanatory. 
I was fast asleep in my second room floor in the suburbs of Pennsylvania with the windows open. It was late in the evening, and I was abruptly awakened by the noise of a horrifying sound. It was the roar of a motorcycle, the screeching of tires, a crash of metal, and then very loud, painful screaming. I listened for a moment because I thought I was dreaming, but the screaming continued. My room seemed very still, heightened in a way that at the time I'd never felt before. It's impossible to describe that feeling to anyone unless they've had an experience like this. It's almost like you're on another level other than reality. I ran to my window and looked outside, and we lived on a block with nice-sized houses, and I thought the crash would have been right out front, but there was nothing. The screaming now was coming from two people. I realized it was coming from all the way up my street around eight houses up. I started to panic and then went to the phone and dialed 911. I told them I heard a motorcycle crash, gave them the name of the streets, and asked them to send help, and then I hung up. I then ran into my parents' room. My mom was a nurse, and I knew she would want to help. When I got to my parents' room, I started shaking them awake. Mom, Dad, wake up. There's a motorcycle crash up the street. People are hurt. My mom and dad woke up and asked what I was talking about. Go back to bed, Mary. You're having a nightmare. I was so mad and confused. I said, Mom, I called 911 already. You have to go help now. Well, that sure got their attention. She got mad at me, and it really alarmed my dad. Why did you call 911? What's wrong with you, he asked. I said, what do you mean? Don't you hear them screaming? The two of them, they're in agony. You you have to go help them. My parents both looked at me like I was nuts. Mary, we don't hear anything. Well, I'll tell you, I was not having it. I got my mom's bathrobe, her shoes, my dad's shoes, and threw them on the bed. My dad was getting a little bit more upset. My mom was just staring at me. She was just about to yell at me when all of a sudden, in the distance, we all heard it. Only for me, it would be the second time. The exact same thing I heard in my room just minutes before. The roar of a motorcycle, the screeching of tires, the crash and twist of metal, and then loud, loud, painful screaming. My mom started her emergency mode and said, quick, call 911, call 911. I looked at her in a calm voice and said, I already did. There was a moment of silence, then back to panic mode. I'll never forget my dad's face for the brief moment when I said that I already did. He went completely white for a moment as he realized what had just happened to me. Living in a Catholic family, I think he was just in shock. Thankfully, it never changed the way he loved me, always daddy's little girl. Mom screamed for us to get towels and blankets, and I was helping while they put their shoes on. Up the street she went. It was a horrific scene. The girl lived at the church that was on the next street over on the corner. She had been with her boyfriend in the back of the motorcycle, and they took the corner too fast. I remember the guy was being pinned by the bike, and he was still screaming. My mom told him not to move, so my dad was trying to calm him down. My mom went over to the girl, and there was a lot of blood. She had very long hair, and she wasn't screaming anymore. I remember my dad specifically saying to my mom, Ann, what are you doing? You don't have gloves on. Be careful. You don't want to get AIDS. My mom responded, I have to stop the bleeding. Give me the towels. I can't let her bleed to death. I'll be fine. She was very brave, and within moments, the ambulance and police were on the scene. I don't recall the rest. I I do know they both made it because of God. My parents' help and the fact that I had called the ambulance... And they were there within minutes of the crash. 
The girl was paralyzed for a while. My parents never wanted to speak about what happened other than the fact that the kids on the bike are going to be okay. Nothing about what happened to me, the gift that God gave me to be able to help those people until much later in my life. I talked to my mom about it and found out something very interesting. I would even call it shocking, but it happened to me a couple other times, so not so shocking. When I discussed the incident with my mom and later with my dad, I laid out the whole scenario. When I got to the part about going with them up the street and seeing the crash for myself, the blood, and how scary it was for me. Oh, no. My dad and mom insisted that never happened. They plainly said, do you think we would bring a 10-year-old girl up to a terrible accident in the middle of the night? You were not there. I argued and I said, I was. I remember everything. They told me that my brother got up and stayed with me downstairs until they got back. When I told them what I saw, they at first didn't believe me. Of course, chalk it up to more imagination. It wasn't until I told them that I heard my dad say to my mom about wearing gloves and how she could get AIDS that they both got really freaked out. I was only 10. I didn't even know what uh, that was at the age of 10 in the 70s. Kids didn't know those things. We were much more sheltered and kept away from the dark and scary things as long as possible than kids are nowadays. I somehow astral projected myself right up the street to the scene and watched the whole thing. I don't know how or why. Maybe I was pissed that they wouldn't let me go. I was a stubborn kid. Maybe I just had to make sure as an empath that they were going to be okay. I don't know. I just know 100% I was there and saw what I saw and everyone else, including my brother says, no, I wasn't. It's pretty cool when you think about it. Even though it was a little horrific to see at 10, I was always thankful for that night that God gave me that gift to be able to help in any way. I was always sad that my parents never encouraged or even acknowledged the fact that it happened. I always felt it was a gift that I wasn't able to develop. As I grew older, I had more things happen, but nothing to help save anyone. I wish there was more of that. The empath never left me, though. That's a daily trait. I have many more stories I may tell, and I can say, without training, being an untrained kid psychic, sensitive psychic empath, or whatever I am, is not easy. I appreciate your show, and I appreciate knowing I'm not alone. I had to learn to stay away from emotional vampires, and it took me way too many years to do so. I took on people's illnesses and sadness for way too long. Having a show like yours to let people know that what you do is very helpful for the younger crowd or just anyone suffering in silence. I still have a lot to learn, so thank you for this platform. Blessings to you and the crew, Mary, a.k.a. Music Smari on YouTube from PA. Well, thank you very much for sharing your story. Beautiful story. I want to uh, hear more about Kid Psychic. I want, yeah. I want that show. Yeah. All right. So you've now been tasked listeners sweet tea wants your stories as a child did you have psychic impressions that came true a premonition something that you saw happen just before it actually occurred i'd love to know about it you can email me dave at paranormal60.com that's paranormal60.com you know what i love about that story and i guess it's great that i read that last story my mom was a nurse and my mom would have been the first to run up that street as well uh, as a matter of fact she was driving in uh Illinois one day and she was uh, I think near Hoffman Estates when she saw a little two-seater plane crash into the uh, uh, golf course 
and my mom just pulled over to the side of the road. Uh, she ran out, a bunch of people ran out and there were a couple of big guys and she said, I'm a nurse. And they lifted the bottom of the fence for my mom. So my mom crawled underneath the fence, ran out there. Uh, the pilot had skewered his chest with the steering column. Oh, so my mom kept him alive by putting her hand inside the chest cavity and creating a vacuum seal again. Yeah. And, uh, she had to massage his heart to keep it pumping oh, while in God. the chest. Yeah. So my mom helped and she was directing other people how to help the other person. And the whole time the plane is hanging there on fire and could have blown up at any time. But my mom being who she was never even tuned into that. All she was worried about was making sure these two guys got home safe. And they did, they both survived it. And they both called my mom after the fact and thanked her profusely. So man, cool story. Great way to end this show. Yeah. Good stuff, huh? Yeah. All right, uh, that's it. Yeah, that's it for tonight. But next week, I have a, a friend joining us that is going to talk to us about communicating with the dead. And he has some amazing new technology that actually I got a chance to see work for myself. Uh, and it was amazing. And I'm really hoping to be able to uh, have him share some of his audio with us on the show and um, have a few moments with us. Uh, Greg? This piece of, of equipment that uh, Mr. Iacovetti has is really remarkable. And I nice. think it might turn uh, the paranormal world on its ear when you hear how he's put this work into it. I'm going to be honest with you. When he explains it, it's very sciencey, very heady. But the fact is the results are there and it's bonkers. Um, I know he's sending me a couple clips. Hopefully I'll be able to show those video clips on the show next week. And uh, that's that's what you can look forward to. Nice. Well, uh, Sweet Tea, thank you for being here. And remember, you can check out Sweet Tea over on the uh, Into the Obscure podcast on Wednesdays. You can check them out uh, live, uh, right? on uh, Or Tuesday. Tuesdays, Tuesdays, Tuesdays live. live Wednesday Wednesdays, on your stream. That's right, on our audio stream. Uh, the Paranormal Detective, Greg T. Lawson the third. <laughs> he is the author of the book. Wow. Look messages at that book. from Mothman. What book is this? Messages from Mothman. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's a New York Times middling seller, and it's available on the link that we have on today's program guide. And I'll tell you what, let's do this. Between now and December 24th, between now and December 24th, if you purchase Messages from Mothman. What's that? That's the book that Greg has written. And you send me the receipt showing the purchase that you made of that book. I'm going to collect them. And then right after Christmas, I'm going to do a special drawing and I'm going to draw one name who's going to get a signed copy of that book. And we'll also get a signed copy of my book. And then we'll get a signed picture from the paranormal detective himself and a signed picture from me. What? Wow. All you have to do is purchase the book messages from Mothman. Email me the receipt, Dave at paranormal60.com. Show me the receipt. I'll keep them all together. I will print them all out. We will put them in a bowl. I will jumble up the bowl. I will have one of my daughters who has no skin in the Mm -hmm. game reach into this magic barrel and pull out a name, and that will be the big winner. So make sure that when you email me, email me your name, your physical mailing address, and your, uh, of course, your email address and the receipt for the book. And you may be a big winner. 
All right. Well, let's get that started. And uh, that's about it. Otherwise, we will be back next week for my big birthday extravaganza next Wednesday, the 22nd. Be here or be Greg. Oh, wow. How's that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you again next week right here on the very best in paranormal programming. And the only news you need to know, we are the Paranormal 60. Paranormal 60. Paranormal 60s are Straight